Hello and welcome to The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle 24. Each week, the sharpest minds and freshest thinkers in finance take you beyond the numbers and hype, right to the heart of the big issues of the day. Today on the programme, to mark International Women's Day on March 8th, we're diving into a new report from the UBS CIO entitled Women and Investing, Planning for Your Legacy. The report trains its focus on the goal of legacy, how women investors define it, the best allocation of their resources to meet their objectives, and the importance of putting a financial plan in place for the smooth transfer of their wealth. Well, I'm delighted to say we are once again joined by Mariana Mamu, Head, Advice Beyond Investing in the Chief Investment Office of UBS Global Wealth Management and the author of the report. Mariana Mamu, welcome back to the show. Uh, lots to talk about, of course, and the report, really interesting read, structured around some of these ideas around legacy goals, uh, better investing for those, and this succession story. Let's talk a little bit about those themes, first of all. Uh, maybe to start with, this question of how women define legacy. Let's maybe start off with some reflections on that. Yes, of course. Women are inclined to perceive and value wealth as a source of security. They tend to focus on being financially secure and able to afford a certain lifestyle for themselves, but also for their loved ones over the long term. Legacy often means more than passing wealth down to the next generation. It also means being capable of positively impacting the lives of others. Uh, And we see that women tend to invest with purpose, where purpose represents both their goals as well as their values and having impact on society. Well, yeah, let's talk a bit about that then and the ways in which that happens, the actual mechanics, the nuts and bolts. And I guess maybe in terms of meeting those those legacy goals, the actual investment thematics are, are an important place to start. Yes, for sure. Preserving or better growing wealth through investing is necessary. Otherwise, there will be erosion of wealth through inflation, taxation and consumption of wealth over the generations. Therefore, we need to invest in assets that generate positive and growing returns. First, the first step in identifying the legacy strategy is to first look at your entire holistic wealth and your entire plan and first allocate the resources required to meet short-term and medium-term cash flow needs. And once you know that your lifetime goals and your short-term expenses are covered, then you you know how much you can afford and how much you can invest to meet your uh, legacy goals. So by separating these the, the legacy strategy the, from resources from the rest of the portfolio, then you can effectively and confidently invest them in a way that you can maximize growth for future generations. Yeah, and in the report, it it picks out a few interesting ones, doesn't it? I I thought it it struck me that there was this interesting, we talked often with you and your colleagues before about this 3L strategy, obviously, that UBS often talks about. And in this legacy space, quite a high allocation, um, maybe up to 40% to private markets. One thing that stood out maybe as being a little different from some of the other conversations that we have when we talk about this legacy piece. Yes, uh, the legacy strategy does not have any immediate cash flow needs. And because it focuses on maximizing and preserving wealth for future generations, it means that in this strategy, you can afford, you have a higher capacity for risk. And in addition, this multi-generational time horizon allows for more flexibility for using illiquidity as a source of 
potential returns. So a higher proportion of illiquid assets like illiquid hedge funds, private equity, infrastructure and real estate can therefore be incorporated and they can offer the potential for higher risk adjusted return potential. And as you uh, explained, and we say in the in the paper, based on our research on such endowment style portfolios, our standard guidance would be that for a legacy strategy, you can allocate up to 40% to private markets. Well, it was interesting. You reflect there on this sort of intergenerational sort of aspect, Mariana, and that's important too. This this idea underscored in the report, and it's something I think we've spoken about before, of financial planning. Uh, it's so important to have a financial plan, not just for the women that the report is focusing on, but also for, for their heirs. It is important to make sure the planning is robust and that it covers off all of the different sort of stakeholders across those generations. Yes, it is important to have a plan early on. And if possible, it makes a difference to incorporate the next generation along the investment decisions or the investment conversations. We see also in the report and from some stats that women are more comfortable talking about money with their families. So based on our UBS investor survey, 45% of women said that they're do not talk openly with their family about financial issues and that they used uh, the pandemic as a, as a way, as an opportunity to have more meaningful conversations with their heirs around wealth and, and wealth succession. So we also note that incorporating sustainable investing solutions can be also a great way to engage and bring in the next generation to ensure that there is a smoother succession and pass of wealth to the next generation. Yeah, that's really interesting. And again, this sort of sustainability theme, we, we come back to it often. And I, I did want to come back to this idea. You talked already about alignment with values earlier in your opening remarks, Mariana, and to talk in a bit more detail about that. How do we best understand the way that women look to ensure that alignment between the capital that they're, that they're moving around and the values that they, that they hold dear? Sustainability is a critical theme. So talk to us a bit about how that investment happens to ensure that alignment. Yes, so uh, research has shown that women tend to have greater confidence in investing when they know that they're investing in a way that is aligned to their to their values. Uh, and we also seen from the UBS investor sentiment survey that women, uh, 71% of women take into account sustainable considerations versus 58% of men. So it is indeed a, a strong preference and it is important for them. How that can manifest is, of course, either from, from incorporating SI aspects in, in, their, in their portfolios, but also in terms of the legacy uh, portfolio, investors may also want to incorporate long-term thematic investment funds that also benefit from structural trends, but also through these, they can uh, align their investments to their values and beliefs, giving them a stronger sense of purpose. So in a way, thematic investing offers a compelling narrative for women investors, and especially those that maybe are uh, new to the investing world. But of course, we have to say that is important when they choose these same themes to do so in the broader diversified portfolio allocation. Yeah, diversification always, always critical. Interesting. You've, you've mentioned a couple of examples and aspects, Mariana, where there is this difference maybe between, or some differences between how women, to generalise slightly, look at some of this differently differently to men. Are there other examples where that difference is, is more stark? And, and what, does that, what does that tell us? Because it's interesting to make that comparison. 
Well, we have seen specifically in the context of the legacy portfolio that uh, women are actually, we think, relatively comfortable with illiquidity because first their favorite asset class seems to be real estate versus equities for men. And that uh, from from our investor watch survey, 61% of women uh, were interested in receiving advice around investing in illiquid assets versus uh, 50% of men, which suggests that women are comfortable using illiquidity in favor of their investment returns. Having said that, they seem to have a preference more for direct investments. So they, they like the, I would say, the tangibility of the asset class, potentially because it is in nature more more familiar and therefore they feel that they have uh, more control or there is less inherent risk, as well as the fact that because it's more tangible, it has a greater perceived permanence. So that could be reason also why, why they prefer direct real estate investments. As well as they, it looks like they have a higher, a higher allocation of uh, collectibles. For example, like art, we saw in our uh, investor watch survey that more women than men plan to leave artwork to their heirs. Yeah, some really striking, striking differences. Mariana, I mentioned right at the top of the programme that obviously we're sort of looking at this theme through the prism of of International Women's Day on on March 8th, of course, it's this very week. And I know that UBS is sort of supporting the theme of owning your worth. And this is something that we're again, we've come back to before on this programme. Talk to us a little bit about that concept, that idea, the notion of owning one's worth. And maybe tell us, I know, partly on a professional basis, but also just personally, what, what does that what does that mean to you, Mariana? Yes, personally, I find the term own your worth uh, very powerful. To me, it's about empowerment and achieving impact and, of course, having power of um, driving your own life the way way you want for yourself, for your family, for those you care about, and uh, I guess it was also for, for the society. According to UBS's Own Your Worth report, 92% of women surveyed believe that involvement in long-term financial planning can enable them to make a greater impact on the world. So yes, we, we want to encourage women to take control of their of their finances and feel empowered to meet their goals, either yeah, their lifetime goals or their legacy goals. And I think it is very important. Uh, Mariana, as, as a, you know, you're a sort of a recognised voice in this space, bit of a, a bit of a pioneer, doing some amazing work. Tell me a bit about the conversations you have with clients on this theme. Is there a feeling that we're making really meaningful progress in moving the needle in some of these imbalances? We've talked before, even in I don't know, traditional married couples. You know, there was always this seeding of authority and decision making to men. Are we seeing really, really positive progress? It's a good moment to, to take stock and reflect on on the changes. Are you encouraged by? By, by what you see and what you hear from clients on a day-to-day basis? Yes, yes, there is progress. And uh, we had looked at it also last year since before the pandemic. I mean, the pandemic was a bit, in a way, it, it offered a bit of a silver lining that women became more interested in in uh, looking at their finances, in taking control of them. So we, we had several surveys and we saw that there was an increase in certainly in the interest. There is still a gap between intention and action. But I think, yes, hopefully over time, this will narrow. But we have to, of course, increase our efforts, not only on on the 
financial confidence, engagement, but making sure, as we had discussed also a year ago, making sure that the value proposition and the experience that women have when working with a financial advisor is, is enhanced and that it meets their, their needs. So their needs, as we had said before, is around investing with a specific goal, with purpose, and ensuring that when, when they are offered a product or a solution, it is in context of what they're trying to achieve. Uh, well, well, yeah, and actually I wanted to ask you as a final question, Mariana, about a, a bit of a call to action for International Women's Day. I guess one thing, if this piques the interest of our listeners, would be to read read the document, look at the Women in Investing piece, which is really, really interesting and instructive. But what would you say if there was maybe a single thing for people to do? Is it just about maybe having maybe a conversation that they've not had before, talking to family, to friends, to their advisors about what they should do to to best prepare to, to, to face a, a future we know we're living in volatile times and all the rest. What would be a sort of single call to action if you could issue one? Yeah, certainly it is to, as you mentioned, uh, it's a thing to have an overview and plan, have a bit more clarity on what you want to achieve in life, no matter where, where you are in life stage. And then once you have a bit of clarity, both on, let's say, your assets, your wealth, and what you want to achieve, it's about yes, sitting with the right experts, sitting also with your family to discuss the best uh, way forward, and then be involved and make the decisions. Marianne Mamu, thank you so much for being with us. And that brings us to the end of this edition of The Bulletin with UBS, setting the agenda in the fast-moving world of finance each week here on Monocle 24. You can listen again and explore more at monocle.com. That's where you can join the club too by subscribing to our magazine. You can also follow this programme wherever you get your audio. And you can discover more and find out how UBS can help you by visiting ubs.com. This is The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle 24. I'm Tom Edwards. Thanks for listening.